Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter and I have a blog at foodafan.com. And uh, this is episode, I don't even know what, oh, this is 47? I think this is 47, Jacob. Yeah, we were getting close to 50. <laughs> very, very exciting. And as usual, we have a jam-packed agenda because yeah. you know what, Jacob? We had three, maybe four. We had four different events that happened between the last time we recorded and today. Yes. So um, I'd say, I, I mean, I had I have a lot of new pens to talk about, but I say let's keep that to the next regular episode, which will not be the next episode, which is a New Year's episode, but the episode after that. Um, so let's keep that to to afterwards, and let's focus yeah. on these events because I think these events are are pretty um, important to talk about. Yeah, they're <laughs> pretty interesting. So, <laughs> I, I'd say let's go in order of the event, maybe starting with Wagner. Yeah, so you didn't go to that event. Um, I would, to be honest, you didn't miss too much, but this was Wagner's year-end event. Previously, that event has been held in Jogoku at this KFC building which has nothing to do with a restaurant, by the way, but now they moved to the same venue as Tokyo Pension, at least the same building, but a small, smaller conference hall. And uh, both both Alessa and I went there. I went there in the early afternoon, and um, you, you know there's this 2,000 yen entrance fee, which yeah. is sort of a point of contention there, which I think we talked about that before. But, you know, immediately after paying that 2,000 yen fee and looking at the vendors, the table, I, I regretted my, my choices because there wasn't, there wasn't much there. You had just, you know, the regulars and uh, fewer than normal, I would say. But it turns out in the end, it was actually worthwhile for a few reasons. First of all, I went to Morrison's table and he actually had a few pens on display available uh, for sale that he, he didn't he hadn't brought f- to the last few events so maybe he's rotating i'm not sure what, what the methodology is but he had some pretty interesting pens this time including the 2013 wagner limited edition um release so those who have heard about this pen club wagner they're probably associated wagner with this platinum 3776 pens but they have done when they continue to do you know collaborations exclusives with other pen makers as well uh, nowadays the only japanese one is platinum but in the past they did sailor as well so the 2013 and one, pilot too right yeah they have done pilot in the past i think that they stopped with that but uh, yeah. our friend of the show sofia just got a, a a pilot wagner pen that looks pretty interesting yeah um but anyway, so the 2013 one was a green sailor Rialo. Actually, there were two versions of it. There was both the um, the sailor profit shape or sailor night and eleven, if you will, you know, the the cigar shape, and there was also the pro gear shape, or which I call the the, the daikon daikon shape uh, Rialo, um, and both. 
both of them were available in a few nib options, including Zoom, but there were only three ProGear Zooms and only three Profit Zooms in total. And he had one of each. Um, he brought one of each uh, to the event, and I bought both of them. So, so I bought <laughs> uh, one third of all the available ones. Um, and what was interesting was that most of the pens he sold, including these old limited editions, they were at the original price. So not just this one, but also he had some YY Pen Club pens and some other ones that are now long sold out, but he still had a few and he was selling them at the original price, which was pretty interesting. I think, I mean, thinking about it now, I think this is how he justifies this 2000 yen entrance fee. Right? You, you're, you're getting good prices if you pay the fee. I, th I think that's the, that's the idea. And we'll talk about this later, but he also showed at Tone on Limbs, and I got the music nib yeah. of the Pro Gear. And it was a little bit um, more expensive than what he had charged at the Wagner uh, event. Yeah. But it was not that much more expensive. Um, right. So I think it's it's okay. You're getting sort of the, the, the non-member price when you're, when you're paying for the pen at Tono Limbs, in a way. Well, also, I don't know how Tono Limbs um, is organizing their event. And we'll, we'll get deep into this. Mm. But um, I don't know if they take a cut of sales from uh from the vendors or mm. if they kind of rent out the space of the vendors so it mm. could be possible that the um the space right costs more to do because they're only one vendor there whereas maury in the wagner event he's the guy who's collecting money from everybody else so exactly exactly yeah that, that, that that's a definitely a possibility yeah. Um, but so those were not the only pens I, I got at at Morrison's table. Also, you know, like a few years ago, I was I was so obsessed about these fine writing international pens, the, the brass pens. Um, but then I, I got bored with them after a while, and I sold all of them. But I have sort of had a relapse in um, the last few months. I got one of the, I think the fourth, the, the fifth generation, and found one for a good price on Mercari. And then at this Wagner year end event. He had the fourth generation, which was meant to be a Wagner exclusive, but wasn't actually in the end, the, the matte black one. I think some people call it the Dark Ages. I'm not sure if that is a creative interpretation or if it's actually... An... I think that's the that's the official name, the okay. Dark Age. So that one actually lo looks pretty cool. He had like three or four of them, and so I ended up getting one of them. So I'll keep that one for, <laughs> for myself. Uh, but the reason, other reason I wanted to mention Morrison is that he, I, I ended up talking to him a bit and he had some interesting uh, ideas and opinions as usual. One thing was that, you know, he's doing these collaborations as we talked about with various pen makers and he has had a bit of trouble in recent years or maybe because of the pandemic now because previously he ended up going on, on trips and actually discussing in person, you know, what the pens are going to look like and so on. But he said that because he hasn't been able to do that now because of the pandemic, there's been some uh, nuances lost in translation and some misunderstandings. So one thing he was complaining about was that one of the pens that he has produced had clips. And he said that it's, it's hard to sell pens with clips. And as I asked, do you, mean like, mm. do you mean in general to the Japanese pen consumer? And I said, no, I'm talking specifically about 
Wagner members. They don't. They want clipless pens. Why is that? I don't know. He, he didn't really have a clear explanation for that, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Another thing was uh, he, I'm not sure if it's a Wagner thing or a Lichtstop thing, but they have been, been selling pens from uh, another European pen maker. We don't need to mention them by name, but it's, it's a pen maker that makes their own nibs. But Wagner, I'm sorry, Morrison's opinion is that for this particular brand, he he refuses to sell them online and Lichtop refuses to sell them online because he argues that you always need to adjust them. So he will only sell them at events and at the pen clinic. I'm not sure if it's much truth to that because this is a fairly popular brand and I haven't heard any complaints like this, but that was his opinion at least. Well, I've handled this brand in the past. I'll have to say um, it's not as bad as he says, mm. but yeah, it's it's also not great. Um, I see, I see. It, it's not great. Um, but given, you know, your experiences, my experiences with Mori as a nib doctor, yeah. um, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure a user would be able to tell the difference. Mm, mm. <laughs> That's true, probably. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about quickly about the Wagner event was that I went to Mr. Pilot's table as usual and Alessa and I both spent quite some time there and we both bought pens there. I bought one of those Pilot Ishime pens. I got one for a good price and probably would keep this one for myself actually. But we ended up talking about some of the pens he had on his pen trays and there were these pilot pens. Maybe it's Custom 72. I can't remember which one but the nib was not a fine but HF. Hard fine. On the pilot. Hmm. On the pilot, yes. So not sailor but but a pilot that said HF. And he explained that that pilots did a number of a few decades ago now they had, in addition to their regular, so they have, they have soft, fine, they have fine. They also had it for a short period of time, hard fines, so stiffer than regular fines. And they were also hard mediums and hard broads. Mm. I wasn't able to write with them, but uh, fortunately, Alessa bought one of those. So I'm hoping to, oh. to, to try it out. Yes. Very well, very well. So we're looking forward to that. So that's all I had about, about Wagner. Um, Yeah. I think Wagner is, it's always difficult because it's not that I don't want to go. I want mm. to go maybe twice a year. I don't want to go to all of them. Right. So you really have to be careful in choosing which ones you go to. But fortunately, he came out to the Tono Lim show as well, as I said earlier. Mm. I think this event will be the bulk of the uh, discussion. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Today. So... <laughs> We've mentioned many times that we don't cover Tono and Limbs on this show because they're just yeah. too chaotic to cover. But, but I mean, you know, we've talked about them before. And um, we've talked in the early days of this show. Uh, I think it was really um, one of the first episodes when we went to their event. And it was just terribly organized, right? Like um, people got headaches because there are so many people inside Okamotoya, mm. um, which not that large of a store to begin with hmm. and you know you have to uh line up for these these tickets to go in. and back then i would say 
maybe there were like maybe a thousand people in attendance um, across the two days. Maybe. Mm. More like about 500, likely. So, we've not gone to a Tono Limbs event ever since that, I believe. At least I have not. Right. Um, so, Tono and Limbs decided to throw what they call a Christmas party, which is really just another name for a retail event. Yeah. And I was interested in going because uh, some folks had asked asked me hey can you get me some glass pens and mm. I'll and I wanted to get a glass pen um, from Hase for myself <laughs> yeah right good luck <laughs> and the best way to buy it from Hase is to actually just go to his workshop which I can do that's fine there's, there's no problem in that but I was like you know what um, let me see if you know, I can get there early enough to to get something, mm-hmm. okay? And so, um, we actually had a pen meet scheduled on that day, and then I said, hey, actually, let's go out on a field trip to this Tono Limbs event. Mm. So, the Tono Limbs event, um, and Tono Limbs, they, they post so much, but let me just um, put into perspective, okay? Tono Limbs is celebrating their third anniversary. Okay? Mm. They have 355 inks. They mm. release a new ink every three days. Like, literally every three days, right? There's lots of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the implications of Tono Limbs and, and their, like, I guess, cultural implication in terms of the hobby here. But let, me, let, let us just describe the event first, right? They say, the event starts at 11, and you should get your ticket at 10. All right? Yeah. And they said, um, the tickets will be distributed at random, so it's not, uh, it's not first come, first serve. So you don't, they don't want you to go and start lining up at 6 o'clock. Okay. Which sounds fair, right? So far. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds fair. Sounds reasonable. Alright, so I get there at 9.55 and I think I'm like the 500th person there. You posted Instagram story photos there, and we were all laughing. It, it, it looked like Bungu Joshi. Yeah. Well, well I, I went to Bungu Joshi um, before and I want to draw a comparison between Bungu Joshi and this later. Sure. So, so I was there I was like, you know, Four to five hundredth in, you know, to arrive. Um, but the thing is, there's no sign saying where they're gonna hand out this these tickets because from from the the photos that Tono Limbs had uh, posted, it seemed like you get it inside the inside the building, but apparently it was outside. And I saw this this mob of crowds. I I, I swear. These people, they're they're a mob, right? It's like, I I thought I was in some kind of a political protest, right, right. And they're all standing there, and then all of a sudden they saw some of the volunteers come out. In an instant, everybody synchronized, starts moving to the front, and I'm like, they told us that the tickets are distributed by 
you know, at random. So it doesn't right. really matter if you, you know, go to the front or not. But actually it does because um, yeah. the opportunity for you to pull a earlier number is indeed higher if you pull it earlier, right? If, if you're in the front of the line. But it also increases the opportunity for you to pull a lower number. So the probability is the same, but the opportunity is different, right? There's one more thing, right, which is that if you manage to get a low number, if you're not actually there by the time it opens, you don't benefit from it, right? Well, you do because you can go in at any time. But I, I, I want to explain the whole Sirikian situation later. It, it yeah. ties into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in terms of like going into the event, so um, I, I got there uh, and I waited like... 40 minutes to get my ticket. Yeah. I pulled number like 316 or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, it's uh, whatever number. I knew I wasn't going to get anything by that point, right? If I wasn't in the top, you know, 100, I wasn't going to get anything. Yeah. And then you, Jacob, come at like 10.50. Right? So I've already been there for an hour. I've been waiting for an hour. Yeah, so there was still a li- line, but there were, I would say, maybe around like 50 people. So I had to wait in line maybe for like 10, 20 minutes tops. And I got a ticket and my number was like 145 or something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> mind you, mind you, right? They did the dr- the the ticket system in the worst way possible, right? Mm-hmm. COVID, um, you know, our numbers are, are not bad now, uh, pretty low. But they had everybody waiting outside in the cold, 500 people squished together in a line, right? And mm. then they they printed out little tickets with QR codes on them. They put them in a paper bag and you would have to stick your hand into this paper bag and draw out a number, right? And my complaint here is they should have just done this via Google Forms so that people don't have to line up at all because the distribution is random, right? So it doesn't matter if you, you know, distribute it before or after, just send a QR code to, to somebody's email. It's much easier, much more sanitary in these times. So anyways, um, we get there, you get 150, I get like 300, whatever. <laughs> so you, I think you waited for like 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes to get into to um, the event. And actually your number wasn't even... I mean, my number is not that bad because Alessa came maybe, uh, what, 11, 10? Mm. And they drew numbers like 450. Yeah. Or or they were they were given 450. Mm. So, so um, I already knew that given each glass pen maker brought about 30 glass pens, mm. right? I'm number 300. I mm. knew I wasn't going to get anything. But for me, the value of going there was kind of witnessing the comedy of this organization or lack thereof. Yeah, I mean, that was the same for me, right? I mean, obviously, as you said, we were planning like a pen group event, right? So we wanted to go there for that reason. But for me, I just wanted <laughs> podcast topics and we certainly did get that. You got in at 11.30, right? Yes. All right. So, so tell the listeners uh, your experience going in at eleven thirty. 
Yeah, so first of all, uh, about the tickets, uh, I agree that it wasn't ideal to, ha to distribute paper tickets, but if you take that as a given, if for whatever reason they had to do that, what I did like about the system was that if you scanned the QR code, you got to this little website that, that told you the current number, right? So you, you didn't have yep. to wait in line outside the actual event. You could just go to a cafe as we did, and yep. then you see that as it was getting closer, you, you could yep. go up there. That was good. Yes. So uh, it was still actually surprisingly hard to find the actual event because, yeah, it's kind of a conference building. It was, it was very confusing, I think, and the maps didn't really help much, I think. But eventually um, I found a, a big group of people. And you can kind of tell that these are the Inkunuma people. <laughs> they are telltale yep. sign. Okay, here they are, right? So... I went there and you had to wait in line again to get to the elevator and then you get up to the elevator and then there was the third line there once you get up the elevator to actually enter the room, right? So, yep. fine. So, you, you have waited while, you're waiting in line a few times, then you're finally there. And the setup was that there, are, there were like three big sort of conference rooms, ballrooms, kind of, and each of those rooms had its own main draw, its own center of gravity. For one of the rooms, the uh, the main draw was Studio Tessar, which I think maybe are not that well known outside Japan, but it's one of those like boutique glass pen makers that are very popular, and the production is very very small, so it's incredibly hard to buy pens from and Tessar. They're known for making very intricate and elaborate like. Much more intricate than than the other two main draws that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they're making like uh, like snowflakes and like universes and, and all this stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. And then uh, in the next room, the the main draw was Glass Studios Tools, and we have talked about Glass Studios Tools before. You know, they had these the, the, the ribbon nib, the stub nib, and so on. They had other glass pens as well. They were, by the way, in the same room as Kobayashi. And, you know, in the fountain pen world, Kobayashi are, you know, one of the most popular retailers, right? Because yeah. their limited editions are super popular. I mean, Kobayashi nobody, was not... Yeah, ahead. nobody was at their table. So Kobayashi actually brought they brought all of their limited editions, say that at Ichigo or whatever, the... the yeah, and and to others, and they had some interesting inks, including their chroma shading inks, um, and they brought their Machied decimals that a lot of people are asking about. So I'm sure that there were some people there, but there was nothing compared to twos, right? And then, of course, in the third room, possibly the most popular one of them all was Hase. So Hase are like they are they are royalty in this community, right? And you, I want to I want to um point out here a conversation that I overheard while I was in line you know I was in line for an mm. hour so there's a group of four ladies uh, who are who are behind me and this is what Tonal Limbs is so good at um, when they created this Tonal Limbs community these ladies were talking about these you know glass pen makers like Hase, Tessar, you know mm. Tuse, Betchori they're like oh yeah and uh, Betchori blah 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 oh he likes this right blah 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 as if they knew these folks personally, right? Mm. And um, and that's the that's the magic of this Tonal Limbs event is that they really make you feel like 
you're part of this journey. So when we look at Tony Limbs's Instagram, a lot of it is like random. It's really mm. random, right? They're like a bunch of hand-drawn bears. Um, but the way that they've kind of set up the, the system um, and this kind of low-volume sales model really makes the consumer feel like they're part of um, that community, right? Really part of that inner circle. And yeah. on top of that, while we were waiting, um, Hase-san, so, so, you know, the guy that makes the, the pens, mm. and, um, and Betray came out. And they were treated like rock stars. Yes. Right? They, uh, we were all in line. They came out. They went to, like, the convenience store or something to get a drink or maybe. Um, and these, these ladies behind me, they're like, oh, Hase is out in his, you know, signature purple suit. Yeah, he really <laughs> likes purple. Oh, but it's not that uncommon to see Hase coming out. But it's much more uncommon to see Betri also out with him to go to the convenience store. Like, this is the kind of conversation that they were having, right? You almost expect someone to, to start, like, a celebrity like blog or magazine just, yeah. just covering these people. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and these folks, they know that they are are being treated like rock stars. Because when yeah. Hase and Betray came back, Hase has came back, he starts waving his hand, you know, like like uh, like the Queen of England. And he says, Good morning, everybody! And like clockwork, everybody, you know, does, like, faces him, does a little bow, says, Good morning, Mr. Hase! And it's crazy. They, they, they are rock stars. Yeah, I, I, I think they are enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway sorry you you were talking about um being inside yeah so those were the three rooms so i went to the room with studio tessar and i didn't fully understand the system at first and, and i saw the various glass pens that tessar had on display and i saw that there were like 10 people waiting in line to get to that table and it seemed like he seemed to have like good 20 30 pens available and there were like 10 people so i thought maybe i I will actually have a chance to buy a tessar pen so i naively lined up and like some some event organizer looked at me as i was a complete idiot and he asked me you know where's your sirikin and i just didn't really understand what 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 they meant i said i have my event ticket and no 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 you need a special ticket only for this table. And I said, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, can I get one? No, they are already gone for today. Already at that point, and it was still before noon, there was no chance to buy a Tessar glass pen at that point. Yeah, so it was 30 minutes after the event started. Yeah. And um, maybe we want to explain this concept of a Sadie Ken. Yeah, go ahead. So a Sadie Ken is, um, is a ticket uh, for your place in line so you don't mm. have to stand there and keep waiting so what these um what these folks have done is that they knew that their products will be very very popular so they've actually given a ticket inside the event after you get your main ticket in order to buy these products now as far as i understand only these three big let's say um star companies mm. had Sadiken systems. Not all tables have them. Right? right. And uh and I think yeah, it was like at eleven thirty four or something, you went to Toos. 
Yes, yeah, so so I also went to Hasse and Hasse, it was a same story with Hasse like they, they said can so they, they were gone very early, no chance. I did manage to get one Sirikin for twos, but as they gave me that Sirikin, they told me uh, you may be able to buy some um, some ink, but don't expect to be able to buy any glass pens basically, well, in, in friendlier terms, but that was sort of the, the gist of it, right? Your, yeah. your number is so high that, you know, don't get your hopes up. So you were number um, 64, mm. right? And uh, and you passed your ticket to me because you were mm. going to go home. Uh, I went up at around 12.30-ish. And at that time, they had called number 300. I was like 300 and, I don't know, 14, 15. And they said, oh, yeah, it's really crowded up there. If you're beyond number 300, you should go and have lunch first. Because you're not going to be able to get in. I said, well, all right. Um, so we all went and had lunch. Had yeah. a nice lunch with Hiroko. She she gave us some some um, pins back. And um, yeah, so we, we had a nice hour-long lunch. Went back up. Uh, I, I bought the, the pen from Mori. Um, you know, walked around. And then I, it was maybe like... Two o'clock or something at this point, maybe two thirty. Mm. I take the ticket that you got. I, I go to Tus, and you got number sixty-four at you know eleven forty maybe. Yeah. Right? At two thirty, they were at number forty-three, and they told me, "Oh yeah, all the glass pens have been sold out for today." And I was like, "Oh okay, um, then I don't need this anymore." <laughs> and then the the lady or the staff there is like, oh well, but you can still buy the inks. <laughs> I just felt like, well, I'm not going to wait another two hours, yeah. right, to go back and buy a thirty millimeter milliliter bottle of tonal limbs inks. That's not really what I'm there for. So. It's... Yeah, and I think that's true for a lot of people, right? So they were. There was tons of ink available, including some really interesting Kobayashi chroma shading ones, as I said. And also, even if you are interested, even if you like, even if you're not interested in glass pens, there were some really interesting fountain pens there. Morrison brought one of the Wagner three seven seven six pens. Ishimaru Bunkodo brought their the most recent limited editions. Kobayashi brought the limited editions. There were a lot of other pens, but it was so obvious that. Most people who went there, at least the people who were who were motivated to get there early, uh, they were there for glass pens. And not just for any glass pens, right? They, they were table selling some more like generic glass pens. They didn't seem to m- move much <laughs> inventory. No. It was, it was, there, there's a small number of glass pen makers that everyone wants yeah. to buy. But I want to talk a little bit about the implications of tonal limbs and their kind of cultural impact mm. on the space, because, and here's where I have to give credit to tonal limbs. They've really brought up the, uh, the industry, right? Because mm. three years ago, right, I was the first one in our group to buy tonal limbs inks. I was probably one of the first people in Japan to own tonal limbs inks. Um, I bought their uh, their prefecture series, um, Tokyo, Kyoto, and Nara. I mm. bought them off of Amazon. At right. that time, they 
they had just a Twitter. They were showing, and I was interested in, in them because they showed off some like uh, fluorescent inks, um, as in glow in the dark. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know, these guys might be pretty interesting. You know, I, I wanted to check them out. I, I, re- I still really like those prefecture inks that they came out with, but nobody had heard of them, and. Nobody had heard of Hase. Nobody had heard of Tus. Betchery had 5,000 followers. And yeah. remember when we went to that first Tonal Limbs event at Okamotoya? Betchery was attending as an attendee, and, and he even mm. came out and like chatted with us, right? He's like, yeah, hey, and if, even, even one year before then, when they had a strange event in Yaesu, right? Uh, it was almost impossible to find. It was a very small venue. And I think Betchor was there too, but he was definitely not a rock star back then. No, and and uh, they were in literally, you know, half an office space, like Jap- Japanese office space, right? So mm. it, maybe it was 25 square meters room right. with like, shoddy tables and like you know paper signs back then now what they've done is they've actually created an alliance between mm. this these glass pen makers and uh and tonal limbs releasing these special editions just for these shops with a cool and quirky names i bet you had five thousand followers three years ago he has fifty three thousand now you know he's published three books now Right, yeah. he's holding workshops. His workshops cost two hundred dollars to attend for like an hour of of workshop. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. And so, what Tono Limbs has really been successful is building that hype, yeah. and also making it very profitable for these glass pen makers, and also for Betri as well. We're making it really profitable, and I think in some ways they probably saved a lot of these companies from, you know, going out of business. Because mm. if you imagine like a COVID where, you know, let's say a company like, I don't know, Hase didn't have mm-hmm. a tone of limbs, it's harder now to get out there. Nobody knows who you are. You, you know, and these glass pen makers, they didn't start off making glass pens, right? They're, they're more like general glass pen folks. Studio, um, Tus, they they have stuff in like the Hyatt out in um mm. in Nara, so they they start up as gen- generic like general um glass art artists I guess, and and now most of their businesses in pens, I would say almost singly ha- single handedly because of this huge alliance with uh, with Tonal Limbs. Yeah, I think you're right about that, and I think it's very telling that you cannot buy any Tonal Limbs inks from Marizen or um, Itoya, for example. That, that's not that's not the kind of collaborations they do. They f- collaborate with, with mostly like small retailers or even individuals, right? So it's some of these some of these uh, names like Shokido, for example, it's like, like w- one person doing this as a side business, right? And then you have influencers like Moya, they have their own ink. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of collaborations they do. And, and that's only possible because, as you say, that they are able to do very small volumes, right? You, you, I mean, I don't think Moya can, can, can sell like hundreds of thousands of bottles, right? You, you have to right. be able to do it in, in small volumes. And then the other thing, as you say, is that they they managed to sort of coordinate and bring this this community together. And this gl- and the glue is actually the various um, 
the various uh, ink collaborations that they all have yeah. in common and they sell each other's ink which I think is so fascinating during these Tone and Limbs online events you can go to Kobayashi and buy like Ishimaru Bunkuro inks and so on yeah and not only that right they actually make inside jokes with each other but it's not inside because they do it on Instagram yeah so um, you'll notice that this alliance of, of retailers um, and uh, and glass pen makers, they all have this crazy bear. And each one of yeah. them has a different bear. So they're represented by different types of bears. And the story is that these bears have come out from like outer space. Um, and, you know, they're like visiting Earth and they've become friends with with like the humans, essentially. That That's the storyline behind the whole, actually the entire alliance. So um, they've got a lot of space-themed uh, inks. Um, and I think because they're the folks that are also behind Colorverse, that's what I've heard, uh, that doesn't really surprise me. Um, the the bears, they've, they've come up now with the third anniversary, they call it contact. So each um, shop has a different contact ink. So there's like contact mm. to, like, you know, first contact, right? So... So the whole story is like a community-driven story, and they've brought out these folks um, who are not necessarily into fountain pens, mm. um, but especially these these glass pen ladies who see how refined, um, how special, how how beautiful these pens can be, mm. and those are the people that that are really driving um, driving the market in this space, actually. Um, Betchori has his own exclusive Hase glass pen that you can only buy when you go to his workshop. So they're also collaborating even outside of Tone of mm. Limbs as well. But they've really brought together this group of friends or they've, they've become friends. They, they saw this market opportunity and mm. they really you know took advantage of it. Because at, at the um, at the Nihonbashi events, the first events right in 2019, nobody was sold out. Right. Nobody was sold out. And now you can't even get into the event. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, as related topic, and we're going to talk more about that in our year-end episode, I guess. But I mean, one of my failed predictions was that glass pens would take off more in the West. And I think that definitely hasn't happened. And what I have come to realize is that it's not just... Like, it's not just about any glass pens. It's, as we said, only a small number of glass pen makers that have really caught people's attention here in Japan. And what they all have in common is that the production is so low that even if you are you are here, you live here, you go to the events and you line up one hour before the event, you still can't actually buy this event because, uh, because it's so hard to buy these then people outside Japan have just no hope of acquiring these and if you yeah. can't buy them it's hard to be too excited about them but i do see um a space for u.s glass makers to get into the glass pen business because a lot of my friends a lot of my contacts in the u.s they're asking me hey can you help me get this glass pen mm. i'm like uh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i i don't know if i can help you get these glass pens i mean that, that's the honest truth right but it's not like glass making is, or glass blowing is, you know, a Japanese thing. Um, right. We're watching on Netflix, um, Blown Away, mm. 
It's about like um, glass making. Like that show has a bunch of you know glass blowers who are blowing like all sorts of artistic things. There are people in the U.S. who probably can do this, but haven't. Right. Yet. So maybe there's a space for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. I agree that it's definitely not not a, a Japanese thing, yeah. but it has taken off in a whole different way here. And I think, um, again, availability is a big thing. People often complain. I mean, rightfully so that it's hard to buy, say, like Shishikura pens or you know certain pilots' custom releases or whatever outside Japan, right? If yeah. you are here, then it's not particularly hard it's a whole different level these glass pens right it is incredibly hard to buy them even if you are here and you're willing to put in the time and effort to go to these events and 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 they are limited in a whole different way right i mean simplified but you can kind of argue that for some of these like sailor pro gear limited editions sailor can almost turn a knob and produce another 500 of them right it's not the same thing with these glass pens because they are made by hand by artisans and it takes like two or three yeah. hours to make each one and they are clearly not uh, able to scale up the production in, in the same way. So they are, they are truly limited. Yeah, for sure. All right, shall we um, move on to our next uh, topic, uh, which is Bunga Joshi. Bunga Joshi um, took place on the same weekend as uh, Tonal Limbs. The reason why I wanted to go to Bunga Joshi was actually because of a glass pen. Um, so Bunga Joshi this year, as every year, they and interestingly this year they didn't have their crowdfunding event, um, but they had, as usual, one of the the biggest, absolute biggest um, events. You had to line up to line up. So so you bought a ticket weeks in advance and then once you get there uh we bought the first um first block of the first day we didn't get the special block so we were actually the second batch of people to go in Mm. um but you bought a ticket uh yeah four or five weeks in advance um you go there there's a line for you to go line up and then after that uh we we got the I think we were in block Q. So it was A, B, C, D, F, G all the way up to T. And we were in block Q. So we were fairly behind um, in you know, the grand scheme of things. But, you know, still in the first block. At least we got to go in. And that was much better organized because at least you knew when to show up. And you didn't have to wait that long. Um, but yeah, I think 80% of the, the folks there were women. Um and one of the main draws was this unicorn glass pen by Paraglass. Did you see this pen? I saw your stories, yes. Yeah, I'm sending you a um, an Instagram post right now. This pen was, again, limited, you know, in a truly limited way. Um, made by hand, unicorn. And... Uh, Akane and I, we went and we knew just, this is the one that we want to get. Um, everything else is secondary. We got the last two. So you're only able to buy one each. They didn't even have it at the Paraglass um, booth. And, you know, we went pretty early. Like we were, we were the, the first block. 
And there were already things that were sold out at Paraglass. So, you know, glass pens are really becoming a, a trend here. Um, but fortunately, I, I managed to get that. That's going to, to the USA. Of course it An- is. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that um, I want to talk about from Bungajoshi, I, I don't want to go too much into detail because we've already, you know, explained it at length last year. Um, I went to Sakai Technical's table. Mm. And one of the things that they were saying is that you get to try out the new Sanzen Tomoe River. Right. So I went over and I tried it out. Uh, when I when I was trying to write on it, the guys at Sakai Technical were very, very insistent that these are just prototypes and the formula might change before the actual release, which is very curious because we've already gotten several samples of Sanzen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's very curious is that they were actually surprised that we had written with some Sanzen paper before. They thought they were the first. Right. Um, and they said they don't know when the, uh, the Sanzen version will be out in the market. They're sure that it will be within next year, but they're not sure if it's you know early next year, is it? And I asked mm. them, I was like, next year as in March next year or mm. next year as in December next year, right? It makes a big difference. Yeah, I think they're talking about their own paper products based on Samsung, right? Because what I've heard is like what um, what Tomogawa told me when they were still like doing the whole PR thing for, for Sunzen, they said that we expect this to be available somewhere between January and March. And then one of the um, uh, one um, wholesaler that is very well informed told me that it might be as late as June, but probably not later than that. Yeah, um, my sources also told me around April. So that's what I had expected. Mm. Um, but yeah, we... We will see, and, and we'll see if Sakai Technical will still have a special relationship with Tomoe River as they did when it was produced by Tomoegawa. Mm, yes, it'll be inter- interesting to see. Yeah. Just one thing quickly about uh, Bungo Joshua. So I actually went there not this year, but like two or three years ago, and I remember, you know, waiting in line in like free- freezing cold in December, and the lines were incredibly long. And this was, you know, before the pandemic had started. And um, I decided that this is something you only need to do once in a lifetime. This event, I think, it's a little bit like. You know, climbing Mount Fuji, this is saying that a wise man climbs Mount Fuji once, only a fool climbs twice. I think that's true for Bungo Joshi <laughs> as well. Yeah, I think if there's nothing that you're really gunning for, there's not really much of a point. Um, but in terms of the attendance, right, even during pandemic times this year, um, if I just calculate, if they've sold out of the tickets, which they have, um, if only 80% of folks show up, there would still be attendance in excess of 14,000 people mm. over the four days of Bungajoshi. And compare that with Tono Limbs, Tono Limbs maybe had um, maybe had 600 people, maybe 500 on the first day and probably yeah. 300 on the second day. 
um, Tone Limbs, the first day started at 11, the second day started at 9 a.m. Those cruel people asked their fans to come out at 9 a.m. And they, of course, they did have fresh batches of pens uh, for the second day. Right. But, um, but I want to point out that the scale is totally different. Bungjus is at least, you know, 10 times, maybe 15 times larger than Tone Limbs. And yet still, um, the rock stars Hase, uh, Tus, they choose to show at Tono Limbs rather than at Bungajoshi, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing. So the day after um, we went to Tono Limbs, I actually went to Nagahara. Uh, he was having a, um, a custom kai. So he was having a, a, a pen doctor event. Out at out at a out at Bunga Box, mm. and I had really um, one main reason why I wanted to go. Uh, well, two two actually. So one, um, I have acquired a gold stacked nib, um, stacked by a U.S. nib doctor, but they've stacked it um, really the entire nib one on top of the other. Right, so not the way that Sailor does it, which is just the tines, but mm. you know, on top of each other. And I wanted to know what Nagahara thought about this style of stacking because it's very different. The skills you need to do, the steps you need to take, are are totally different. Right. And my second reason for going is I had stacked a um, a supernova, so the Pro Gear supernova that Kaurusan had um, had come out with for Bunga Box. I um, I posted on Instagram stories and um, Kaurusan said, "Hey, uh, come over next weekend and uh, and you know talk to Nagahara and you know we want to see it." I was like, "Okay." So, so I go there. Um, first, let me talk about the stacking with just the tines versus with the whole nib. Um, I think that stacking with the tines it's a much more complex stacking method but in the end it's easier the reason why i say this is because have you ever tried to stack one nib on top of another like just putting them on top of another no i haven't okay so so if you take a nib like maybe any random steel nib take a yowo size six nib you put another yowo size six nib just on top of it it won't stand flush right there's going to be a, a huge gap because the nib is curved, right? So, so, so but so does does the geometry matter then? I'm thinking of nibs that are more flatter, like the platinum three seven seven six nibs. As long as there's a curve, which most nibs do have, you will have this problem, and that's because physically it is impossible to stack two items that are identical one on top of the other. Um, in that shape. If okay. you want to stack it, the top nib has to be bigger. It has to be bigger so that the wings can be slightly bigger to accommodate the bottom wings because if they're exactly the same dimension, they would hit at exactly the same place. That's why in stackable products, you you see that there's like a there's like a uh, the corners, there's a little like part near the edge where it's a bit indented. And then it comes back out, right? That's right. Be- that's because um, 
you want to make a small indent so that it can fit one on top of the other. Now nibs aren't made like this, right? So what you need to do is you actually need to shave the uh, the sides of the bottom layer and the inside of the sides of the top layer in order to get it to stack um, flush. So it's very, very difficult. Hmm. And I, I showed Nagahara and Nagahara said the way that this is stacked he doesn't have an opinion on whether you do it you know just tines only or nib on top of each other but he does have an opinion in that because the top and the bottom do not naturally sit flush to each other when you do that what happens is you actually force the sides of the tines to spread out a bit right because you're trying to force one tine on top of the other that pulls the tines a little bit apart on the top. So you don't get a flush tipping on the top layer. So the one that I, the, the sample that I had and that I showed him, the bottom layer was flush, right? It, it closed mm. just a little bit at the tip. The top was not flush at all. It came apart a little bit. And he said this means that the the cross is not um, properly done. I see. And it's important for the cross to be properly done because while it might write now, eventually it's going to get scratchier and scratchier. So even on mine, um, on my supernova, he actually um, he actually adjusted it for me because um, he wanted to. And he spent a lot of time um, making the, the vertical slit uh, aligned. So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then on a side note, while he was doing uh, my nib, I asked him, I asked him, um, hey, what about the King Cobra? Like, why did, why did Sailor make this King Cobra? And one thing that I thought it was interesting, um, he said, well, you got to ask the guy up there. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I see. So that was a funny episode with Nagahara. But yeah, I think um, I think that's all we wanted to talk about today. Is there anything yeah. else from you? No, that's it. And I need to drop off soon, as you know. So this is perfect. Yep. So uh, we'll see each other again next week for our New Year episode. But um, meanwhile, that's been the episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, my name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at foodafan.com. Thanks and bye-bye. Bye-bye.